All right, the question that everybody's probably wanting to know is, Jeff, why are you coming out that door? Anybody thought that besides Bill? Why are you coming out that door? Well, unfortunately, our family is not impervious to sickness, and so we've got some sickness in our Huntsville extended family that we were close to. And so this morning, I pulled in the parking lot. I came up the back door, sat in my office. When it came time for me to come to church or come to this sanctuary, I walked around through the alley up the street. I came in. There's a door right here. If you didn't know that, that door works. And I've been hiding up in the baptistry area just waiting my turn to come out here because I love you, and I don't want to take any chance. I feel fine, but I'm not going to take a chance with you. There's too much stuff going on, and so right now, I'll probably even preach on this side to make sure that I'm more than six feet away from Connie. Everybody else, you're good, okay? But I will apologize in advance. If you're here for the first time, usually I love to be out in the atrium, and I love to meet everybody that's here for the first time or family that's in for another time, and you will find that I will be hard to find right after this service. Why? Because I love you. And I don't want to take any chance with your health. And in case I am part of a problem that I don't know about right now, I want to know that I've done the right things. And so that's why I'm coming in and out that door right there. And I'm going to go in it one more time here just in a few minutes. But we've got some things to do between now and then. And I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1112. Matthew chapter 2. Now, I'm really going to stress your multitasking needs for just a few minutes because while I'm asking you to turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we will stand and read that here in just a few minutes, I want to read another passage for you out of John chapter 1. I'm going to use it to set the table. Now, I'm going to read it. You don't have to go there, but if you're one of these Bible drill experts and you want to go to John 1 and read, and then you've already got Matthew 2 marked, and you can go back and forth. That's cool. But I want to read to you from John chapter 1, what I would call John's Christmas story. You know, John doesn't say much about the Christmas story as we count the Christmas story. But John chapter 1, and while I read these, just these nine verses, I want you to listen for the number of times the word light is mentioned by John, the apostle who wrote this. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and remember, we'll get to Matthew 2 here in just a second. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, that would not be John the Apostle, the author. That would be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. 
Jesus is the light. Amen? Amen. Jesus said that. Scripture teaches that Jesus is the light. And so Christmas, I just wanted to set that as a Jesus is the light because Christmas gives us an opportunity. It invites us to step out of the shadows and out of the darkness to allow that light to make a difference for Christ to shine both in our lives and through our lives in our hearts. And so today, as we complete our study of Christmas scriptures by looking at some people who desired to make much of Jesus, I ask you to stand with me. Make sure you're on Matthew chapter 2. Allow me to read verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says, now after, so that gives you the time frame. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. As you can see, we've been in John. We're going to Matthew, or we're in Matthew and we're going to touch Luke before it's over. So we're really going to challenge you. And for those of you who go, well, Jeff, I, I need you to give me a head start. Well, if you want to just creep over to Luke chapter 2 and put your finger there, we're going to go there in just a minute. But Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Verse 1 says, after Jesus was born. Now, I just want to stop and, and tell you that, church, once you get to after Jesus was born, everything's different. Things are not the same anymore. They will never be the same anymore after Jesus was born. You know, last week I was, one of the things I enjoyed probably more than most anything is that the Lord taught me while I was being used by him to challenge and encourage others through his word. And so it's caused my prayer life to be different this week. I said, Lord, I want to know more about you. So teach me, even though I've studied, even though I'm ready, even though I've got notes, Lord, help my spirit to be open to what you want to say to me and how you want to teach me this morning, and then help me to be faithful to share what you place upon my heart so that you can teach each of us. I love that we just do not get done learning about Jesus. Amen? 
Now, church, we're in the after Jesus was born section of life. It should make a difference. But it says here that after Jesus was born, wise men came from the east. Now, we actually know very little about these men. The word translated wise men refers to a group of scholars who studied the stars. God gave them a special sign, a miraculous star that announced the birth of a king. And that star led them to Bethlehem where God's prophets told them that he would be born. Now, we do not know how many wise men were actually there. I think the number of gifts described have helped shape the number of wise men that we count. We tend to think in our manger scenes and in our Jesus scenes and things like that, that the wise men come and there's three of them because one's carrying gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We just know they brought three gifts. Church, we don't know how many there were, but Scripture gives us an indication that it's likely, likely more than three. You see, the Christmas carol that we sing also tells us that they came from the Orient. All Scripture tells us is that they came from the East, and so we also cannot be certain of their actual origin, But Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, does tell us this. It says that their arrival was a big enough deal that it troubled all of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is a good-sized city at that time. Now, if one person comes into Jerusalem, it's not going to make a big deal. If a handful of people come into Jerusalem, it's not going to make a big deal. But there was something about this entourage, this group of people, the way they carried themselves, the way they came into town that troubled all of the people. They caught everybody's attention. Now, we do know a few very important things about these wise men, that they must have studied the scriptures and the prophecies concerning the birth of the Messiah. And when they spotted a star in the heavens, they correlated this event to the birth of Christ. We know that they came a long way because in this scripture, Jesus is no longer a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Historically speaking, Jesus is somewhere two years of age or under. You see, Herod, in his attempt to find Jesus and to eradicate or kill Jesus, had in chapter 2, verse 16, talked about all male babies two years and under. So we're in a time frame here So we know they came from a long way. They had to look diligently. Their only method of where is he was a star, was God leading them. And we're going, that's a weird way for God to lead people. Not really. We just spent nine months in the book of Exodus, and every day once they left Egypt, God led them with a cloud or God led them with a tongue of fire. This is not atypical at all. God knows how to get our attention how to lead us, how to guide us, and how to get us exactly where he wants us to go. I believe that. One of the challenges we face is not, does God have a plan and a purpose for us, is that are we going to yield to that plan and that purpose? You see, God will get you where he wants you to be. You just have to figure out, are you going to make it easy on yourself, or are you going to make it hard on yourself? Because God has promised to complete the work that he has begun. Amen? And we also know this about them. They came to worship the king of the Jews. They came ready. These gifts, they don't just walk around with these all the time. 
they made sure that they were leaving when they left to get them. They knew that they were going someplace that was going to be a big deal and that they were going to worship. When you know that you're coming to church on Sunday morning, whether you're online at church or whether you're in this room, do you come ready to worship? You know you can't just show up. You've got to pray. You've got to seek. You've got to study. You can't just show up on Sunday and expect everything just to become really clear. If you don't spend any time seeking God and preparing for him and yielding your life and allowing the Spirit to work through the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, your Sunday's going to be very empty. You might get a little bit, but it's not going to matter much because you don't have that foundation. And that's what these wise men, they prepared for worship. They knew that it was going to come when they were going to find a time to worship Jesus. And so it says that they came to Jerusalem asking where Jesus was, assuming that everybody would know, but nobody knew or nobody seemed to care. James Dobson uh, coined a phrase a number of years ago. I think it was James Dobson who claimed it. Wise men still seek him. It's an interesting thing. These wise men, they came seeking Jesus. They assumed that when they walked into town, they'd go, where is he? And everybody would go, oh, yeah, he's right there because, see, they understood this to be a big deal, but everybody else didn't. You know, that's how the world is right now. There are some people that see the birth of a baby in a manger, that see the Christmas story as a really big deal that we need to prepare our hearts for, that we get a chance to worship and have our lives changed by, and then there's everybody else. Are you seeking Jesus? I could ask you questions like, was Jesus a part of your Christmas? I could ask you questions like, in the last seven days, how many times have you spent meaningful time in God's Word? I could ask you questions like, have you confessed sin this week? I could ask you all kinds of questions, and all of those would be all about, are you seeking Jesus? You see, this is the after the baby was born Things are all different. Are you a wise man? Are you seeking Jesus? Are you preparing for worship? Do you want to find him? Listen to a uh, sermon podcast earlier this week. Actually, yesterday morning, I just sat on the front porch on this very warm Christmas day, right, that we had. And I was listening, and this pastor explained very well, I thought, what the gospel was and how it was related to Jesus. But he was explaining it because so many Christians act like they don't understand what the gospel is. Because, see, if you understand what the gospel is, there's no way Scripture teaches that you could be quiet about it. Remember we talked about the angels on Christmas Eve? God told them through the angels, something's just happened, and they went to sea, and they made haste, and they said, our lives <coughs> will never be the same. says that they told everybody, and that it impacted people. That's cool. 
We also know that these wise men were <coughs> Gentiles. You know, from the very beginning, Jesus came to be what John said. In John chapter 4, verse 42, John said that he was going to be the Savior of the world. This is but another echo from the angels who appeared to the shepherds and said, I will bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That's Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Church, God sent his son for all people. All people. Even those people that you just mentally said, can't be those people. We all know those people, right? We're going, no, there's no way God came for them. Yes, he came for those people. Everybody, you cannot open your eyes and see a person that God does not love, that God did not send his son for. Now, that doesn't make them lovable from our perspective. It doesn't make them easy. But it puts them in the dark. And remember, John said that Jesus came to be the light, and we are called, as John was called, to share the light. Verse 3 says, when Herod heard this, he was troubled. You see, Herod acted in this whole thing as if he really wanted to know where Jesus was. He even told him, he said, when you find out where he is, come and tell me because I want to go and worship him too. But we know that's not true because just eight verses later in verse 16, which we did not read this morning, he really wants to destroy Jesus. And so in order to bring this about, Herod called together the chief priests and the scribes, and he asked them, where's Jesus to be born? Get this. When you really read this, this, if you go back and read it again, and we're not going to, when you read this, he asked them, he said, where's the Savior, where's Jesus going to be born? And they knew. Exactly. Didn't even have to think about it. Because they had studied and they knew in their life where Jesus was going to be born. You see, God's never hidden his plan. He tells us, but they knew where he was. They knew the scripture. They knew the place that Jesus was born, and they did nothing. Crazy, isn't it? Nothing. They did nothing. Church, you know that there are people who don't know anything about Jesus, but they'll be ready to destroy him because he'll threaten their self-seeking nature. There are people who know about Jesus that do nothing because they don't want Jesus to impact their lives. And church, then there are people who know about Jesus and allow that knowledge to change their lives. Which one are you? That's what we got to ask ourselves is has God's plan, his purpose, the most detailed, foretold about event in all of history, has it changed you? Who are you? Verses 7 and 8, Herod meets with the wise men and says, when you find him, tell him, tell me where, the, where he is. Verse 9, the star reappears. Now, if you've still got Matthew open. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. <coughs> I want us to look at this one. Let me read that again. 
But after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Huh. Jesus born in Bethlehem, but the wise men don't just go to Jerusalem as some kind of people who are lost. They don't come asking for directions. God led them to Jerusalem. And so we've got to stop and figure that out for just a second because if Jesus is in Bethlehem and they came to see Jesus, then it makes sense that they would have gone to Bethlehem, but God brought them to Jerusalem. He led them there. Why? Well, we have to stop and think about that. And that's not a why that I can answer completely, but it is a why that I want to challenge you to begin to consider. But I believe that God was seeking to put the world on notice. To create a division of people, not division in a negative form, but so to divide people so that we can know who is seeking him, those in the light, or that we can understand those who are not, that those who still exist in the shadows or the darkness. Those who believe from those who do not. And I believe that God does this on purpose. You saw it this Christmas season. We're just a day after Christmas, but you saw it. You saw people who made Jesus the center of all of their Christmas. You saw it. That doesn't mean they didn't buy gifts and they didn't have family things and all this stuff, but you could see that Jesus was the center of their Christmas. But you also saw people who didn't include Jesus at all. That's what Jesus will do. He divides light and dark, goat and sheep. God brings us to a point of choice and choosing, right? That's what Scripture's teaching us, and so God is putting the world on notice. He's not just going to stop and say, I've told Mary and Joseph, and I've told these wise men, and I've told those shepherds. That's the, no, God is getting ready to blow the lid off this thing and tell the world. You go, well, why? Well, because God wants all people to come to know Jesus through faith. God wants all people. And church, if we're not about helping all people come to know Jesus, we're about the wrong things. God led them to Jerusalem on purpose. Because I mentioned that you could see this year who was making Jesus the center of their Christmas and who wasn't. I pray you were one who did make Jesus the center of your Christmas. But let me tell you, those people who you clearly saw were in the shadows, in the darkness, not making Jesus the center, there's your target. Those are the people that need to hear about the light of the world that John talks about. Those are the people that, remember John chapter 1 said, John was not the light. John was sent to be a witness of the light. If you know the light, you've now been called to be a witness of the light that is Jesus. And Christmas has a way of dividing people, not in a divisive kind of way, but in a targeting Christian, go share with those people about the gospel of Jesus Christ kind of way. We now have our marching orders. Everybody in the dark, everybody in the shadow needs to hear 
about Jesus. Verses 10 and 11 says that they get there. You know, we read this and the star reappears and it leads them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. I just, I just need to get, make one other comment about Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Do you know that they're only six miles apart? So close, but yet so far for so many people. Church, let's make it clear. Jesus is not about church. Jesus is about a relationship with God through his son. We, I value church. We're told to gather. We're told to serve. We're told to give. We're told to go. We're told to love. We're told to forgive. I mean, there's a lot of things that come with being a child of God. But the number one thing is it's you must come to Jesus by faith. If we're not sharing the gospel, we're open for the wrong reasons. Verses 10 and 11 in Matthew chapter 2, it says that they rejoiced when they saw him they worshiped when they saw him, and they gave of themselves. Do you know that worship is an act of giving of yourself? If it doesn't cost you anything, it is not worship. Church, we must be willing to give of ourselves. It says they gave three gifts. So let's just talk for just a second about those three gifts. They gave gold. The first gift is gold. Gold is associated in Scripture with two things, divinity and kingship. The gift of gold from the wise men symbolized the deity of Christ, that Christ is fully God. He is king. Then they gave frankincense. The second gift the wise men presented to Jesus was frankincense. Frankincense is an aromatic resin that is obtained by cutting the bark on a certain species of tree. The most popular use of frankincense in the Bible was the burning of incense by the priest. Remember, we already talked about that, remember, a couple weeks ago? The frankincense that the wise men gave to Christ symbolized his priesthood. The Bible plainly teaches that Christ is our high priest. He makes intercession for our sins, and he is the eternal sacrifice for our sins. So not only is he gold, our king, he is frankincense, our high priest intercessor. Then they gave myrrh. The gift of myrrh symbolized the suffering and death that our Messiah would face. They gave Jesus a drink with myrrh in it while he was on the cross. That's in Mark chapter 15, verse 23. Nicodemus also brought myrrh to help prepare the body of Jesus. That's in John 19, verse 39. Jesus is our redeemer. So when these wise men, they picked up gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what they were really doing when they were worshiping God is going, you are our king, our intercessor, and our redeemer. And he still is, church. Now, here's the question. We're not talking about who Jesus is. Let's talk about this. Who is he to you? Is he your king? Is he your intercessor? Is he your redeemer? Because, see, when he becomes those three things, Scripture will tell you that your life will become different. And you will be all about the light that is Jesus. All right, I told you we are going to go to Luke. Let's do this turn. Go to Luke chapter 2. When you get to Luke chapter 2, I want you to go to verse 25. 
5. We are still in a period of time that is after Jesus was born. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, we, are, we, we know more specifically uh, how old Jesus is now because it tells us on the eighth day after he was born. So we've actually gone backwards in time just a little bit. But in Luke chapter 2, we're going to study two more people that we meet in Scripture because of Christmas. First of all, let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. You just stay seated where you are, but I hope you're there. I'm going to read about Simeon. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. I'm in verse 25. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that would be Simeon, took him, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. God always keeps his promises, church. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. We meet Simeon. Scripture tells us that Simeon was just and devout. Tells us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. God and Simeon had a relationship. Said that he had been waiting on the Messiah. Now, we're not given Simeon's exact age, but Simeon is probably not in the prime of his life any longer. But he had been told by God, Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah being born. I just think that's so cool that God would tell somebody in advance what he's going to do. And you're going, well, that never happens. No, God always tells his people what he's going to do before he does it. Amos tells us that. God doesn't do anything without revealing to his people what he's going to do. Now, just think about this. Simeon was told by God before it happened what was going to happen, and he was given a, a time frame that said, and it's going to happen before you die. God made a promise to him. And I bet you every day, Simeon got up going, okay, is today the day? Is today the day? Is today the day that the Savior will be born? Is today the day that the Messiah will come? He got up with an expectation every day because the promise God made him, he took it to heart and it changed the way he lived his life. He likely was devout and just, but then when he and God spoke and God revealed himself and made a promise to him, he probably became more just and more devout because see, when you enter into a relationship where God's speaking to you, you can't help but be different. Verse 27 said that the Spirit of God led him to the temple on this day, 
on this day, Simeon recognized Jesus. Joseph and Mary didn't walk into the temple going, hey, y'all, this is him. No, Simeon, because of the promise of God, because of the leading of the Holy Spirit, when they walked in, Simeon said, that's him. That's him. That's what the Spirit of God will do to help somebody. It'll say, that's him. That's one of the works that the Spirit does in our lives. And he held him, and he praised God. And his praise is included in these verses. Lord, you've done what you've said. Lord, I've seen your salvation. Lord, this salvation is for all people. Lord, Jesus is the light. Now, think about this for a second. What if Simeon is not seeking God on a regular and daily basis? What if he's just taking the promise of God and he's throwing it in the back of his heart and he says, God will make it come true whenever he wants to. Do you know that there is a good chance that Simeon misses this moment? Because it said that the Spirit led him in that moment. In that moment. Church, there's a great reminder. God has taught you who the light is. Hopefully, he's changed your life through Jesus being the light, your king, your intercessor, your redeemer. He's called us to be that witness and that testimony of the light to those that are in the shadows and the dark. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit will lead you to say something, to go someplace, to do something. And if you're not seeking God on a regular, consistent, daily basis, you might miss it. You could miss it. Every day, we must seek God, listen for God, look for God, and then do what he said. Simeon had just been hanging back until Jesus came, and then he stepped out into the light to make a big deal. Let's keep reading. I'm picking up in verse 36. I'm still in Luke chapter 2. We meet one more person. Now, there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna, a prophetess. Now, let's just think about this. It says that she had been serving God in the temple for 84 years as a widow. We get from this scripture, too, that she had also been married before her husband died for seven years 84 plus 7 is 91. I don't know how old she was when she got married, but let's say it's 15, which would be young, but not by that custom. She's at least 106 years old. And yet she is faithfully, daily seeking God. Prayers and fasting. Prayers and fasting. Serving God talking to people. I love this about Anna because what God said is that the light and the impact that it can make in a life knows no age. If you're young, 
God wants to use you. If you're middle-aged, God wants to use you. If you consider yourself of an older age and you begin to think that I'm just riding out my time, that's not how God operates. God gives us every single day, and every single day, I pray that you will desire to find the joy and rejoice in that day that God makes that he gives you, and that you will seek him on that day. Because it said, in that instant, what instant? Well, that instant that Simeon had Jesus in his arms, and now Anna, who never leaves the temple, just happens to come by in that moment, providence of God. And he sees, she sees the baby. Says, verse 38, that she gave thanks to the Lord. Verse 38 goes on and says this too. And she spoke of him, that's the Lord, to all those who looked for redemption. She started talking. It's interesting. Shepherds started talking. Wise men started talking. Simeon started talking. Anna started talking. And what caused that conversation to start? They met the light of the world that is Jesus. That's good stuff. Anna, Simeon, the wise men all recognized Jesus and responded. They gave the gift of their lives. But Christ gave us all a better gift. He gave us the gift of a clean slate before God. He gave us the gift of forgiveness from our sins and a pardon from the wrathful and just judgment of God. All you have to do, whether you're Jew or Gentile, all people, all you have to do is by faith take the free gift of salvation that Christ wants to give you and everybody you know right now. Will you share this gift? Now, this is our second Christmas with our granddaughter. But man, this was the best one ever. I mean, when you're 15 months old, you don't quite understand everything about Christmas yet. But it's a sweet time to watch and see. And Addie had more gifts under the tree than anybody else. I don't know why. But she would open up a gift. And she would make much of that gift to the point that it took a long, we even thought about sending some of her gifts home with her so that she could open them up later because the gifts that she opened up, she made a big deal of them. Yeah, that's a sweet story about a granddaughter, but that's church, that's a reminder. Christmas is about unwrapping the gift of God. She'd have this bowl, this dish. She was all into the little kitchen thing this year. And she would want to show you. And she'd have an oversized spoon and be stirring in that thing, and she'd want to show you. And she'd want you to take a drink of it, or you'd want her to take a bite of it, and all these things. And I was just broken at the joy that she had over something and how that joy caused her to want to share it with others. Now, there are some gifts that you receive that you really like. There might even be some gifts you receive that 
You're going to give away next year. You guys know what I'm saying, right? But church, as we head into a new year, you know, in five days, it becomes 2022. It's a new year. Next week, we're going to preach on that. But do you know that you have the opportunity now to walk around and share with all the people that you come in contact with? Can I tell you what I got for Christmas? Let me show you what I got for Christmas. And God's going to give you the opportunity to share about the light of the world. That's Jesus. You see, you've not been given the light to hide it. You've been given the light to share it. Amen? Amen. As we look forward to 2022, I pray that we do so with a greater understanding of who Jesus is, a greater desire to seek him and to serve him, and with a greater passion for others to find Jesus as their Savior. It will take commitment, diligence, sacrifice, and worship. After all, wise men still seek him. Amen.